Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Well, this morning on Easter Sunday, we're going to talk about dream again. I think there's never been a more important day to do that than this day, Easter Sunday, 2021. You know, just like I shared with you a moment ago, that God's plan had been moving for centuries to bring that day to pass. When Jesus Christ would be raised from the dead, when everything Satan had done to destroy you, me, our families, our hope, when God defeated him. We're thankful. We're here to celebrate that today. And you know, today is just not any day. It's Sunday. Come on. It's Sunday. It's when we get together. And this isn't just any Sunday. It is Easter Sunday. And it's not just any Easter Sunday. It's Easter Sunday 2021. Well, what's so special about Easter Sunday 2021? Well, I told you a moment ago, we haven't been able to do this for two years. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of excited about being here today. We've been waiting on this day. You know what Easter 2021 says to me? It says, you know what? God took the devil's biggest shot. Satan threw everything at him on the cross and thought he had won and he's defeated. I kind of feel like the church has had a couple of big punches thrown at us in this last year. You know, we faced a pandemic. We faced closing the church. We've dealt with closing the schools, closing the businesses. We've had to deal with every kind of thing you can imagine. And can I give you some good news today? Here we are alive and well and standing here praising God. He's a faithful God, isn't he? I mean, we, we, some of you folks don't, hadn't been to church much, but, you know, I've been to church back in the old days. Anybody ever been to old school church? Yeah, yeah so, some of you had never been to church. I can see that's okay. I, that's, why we're, that's why we're here today. I'm excited about that. You know, but old school church, I'm going to tell you, uh, sometimes you just had to stop and thank God for a little bit. You know, this, this morning's kind of one of those for me, isn't it? Just to do a moment and say, man, thank you, God. Thank you that we're here. Thank you that you brought us through. Thank you that we're, we're alive. We're doing well. We're headed to breakthrough. Our families are going to have better days. Our business is going to have better days. My body's going to have a better day. Our nation is going to have a better day. The church is alive and well. We just need to be thankful today. God is good to us. We've had some losses, but God has been with us through the losses, hasn't he? You know, we, we've, we've had some tough days. We've had some days where we had to say goodbye to loved ones. Those are hard days. But what did we find? That His grace was sufficient. That in our weakness, His strength was made perfect. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's easier to worship Him on Easter Sunday. But it's kind of hard to worship Him on that, on that pause between Friday and Easter Sunday. You know, while we don't know what's about to happen, while we're waiting. And, and yet He's shown us in those days that He's God and that He's faithful. See, Easter's not just some holiday. I, I don't know if, if, if we understand that. It's not just about, you know, eggs and bunnies and, and, and you know, a couple of day, holidays and those kind of things. No, Easter Sunday is the proof. The proof. For every skeptic, for every cynic, for everyone that's struggling to find their faith, it's the proof that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He did everything He said He would do. And what I'm, what I'm thankful for today is not only did He accomplish His goal to bring salvation to anyone who received it, it's not just something that happened, 
It's something that's happening right now. The resurrection life of Jesus is available to us right now. It's not just something that we're keeping a memory alive about. It's real life for real people dealing with the real issues that are facing him. You know, I, I want to give you some good news today. As of today, being reminded of the resurrection and the victory of Jesus, you can stop looking in empty tombs for dead answers. You know, let's stop going through the same motions, looking for help in the same dead-end streets, trying to make it work without turning to Jesus. Let's quit looking in the empty tombs and let's see what God has to say. Let's look in Matthew 28 and verse number 1. Matthew 28, verse number 1. The Bible says, After the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Watch this. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. We're not going to spend any more time looking in empty tombs for dead answers. Today, I want to encourage you, the, the dead in streets you've been running down, the, the, the broken dreams that have haunted you, the promises that people have broken to you. There's some really good news for us today, that Jesus Christ is greater and bigger than all those things. And if he could survive the cross and be raised from the dead, then there's hope for every single one of us. For us, we're celebrating today. I mean, it, this is, you know, I, pardon the, the, the comparison, but, but for the church, this is the Super Bowl. You understand what I'm saying? Like, this is the big day. This is the Super Bowl for the church. But I want you to think for just a moment for all those that were following Jesus on that day. When that morning dawned, it wasn't a celebration for them. So we're talking about dream again. What I'm telling you is that broken dreams, shattered dreams, hopes you had that seemed to just leave and can never be restored, you can dream again because of what Jesus did. Think about that morning. As these ladies we read about were going to the tomb, they weren't rejoicing. They were mourning. They weren't going to that tomb with any expectation. It was a hard time for them. It was probably one of the worst days of their life. For you see, just three days before, think about the shock of the sudden death of Jesus. He had come into Jerusalem with the triumphal entry. That whole week, the last week of his earthly life, uh, the crowds were amazing. They would come every morning and listen to him all day long in the temple. The Bible said that he would heal the sick and, and miracles happened and people had hope and faith for the first time in a long time. And it came to the end of the week and there he was in the upper room with his disciples sharing a Passover meal. It was wonderful, they thought. 
And then they went out to the Garden of Gethsemane where he often went to pray and everything was wonderful. Here they were. It was Passover. They were celebrating. There was expectation in the city. Their dreams were huge. Their hopes were high. They were eating together. Now they were in that safe comfortable cocoon of prayer, the garden of Gethsemane, the familiar places with Jesus. Life was good. In the middle of that, a mob came. One of his very own Judas betrayed him and they grabbed him and jerked him out of that prayer meeting, drugging to the home of the high priest, went through the mockery of a trial. Early the next morning, he's taken to Pilate, the Roman governor. Again, he's falsely accused. Pilate himself says, I can't find any fault in this man. He doesn't deserve to die. There's nothing wrong with him. You take him and follow your customs. But nothing would satisfy the hatred of that crowd until Jesus was crucified. An incredible week, a great meal, a familiar prayer meeting. In less than 18 hours, he's dead. The shock of this thing, the devastation of their dreams, everything they'd been hoping for, planning on, thinking about, dreaming about, right before their eyes, their dream is beaten, flogged, whipped, crucified, nailed, pierced, and buried before their eyes. Dreams shattered, broken, all the hope they ever had buried in that tomb and on that morning those ladies were not going to see a resurrection they were going to redecorate a place of death and try to find a way to live now that their dreams were broken it's strange isn't it how quickly your dream can die isn't it strange how quickly life can rob the things that mean the most to you it's real life We don't need a theory. We don't need religion. We don't need something that's a history lesson. We need a real God right here, right now. If we're ever going to dream again, if we're ever going to hope again. You see, every one of us have had dreams. It's kind of like this. I, I like to say it like this. God had projected, just like this behind me, God had projected a great adventure on the screen of your heart. Somewhere in your life, There was this dream. There was this hope. Many dreams maybe. And we reached those. We grabbed those. We thought about those. We worked on those. This this dream, this sense of hope, this thing that God wove into the DNA of our soul while we were being formed in our mother's womb, God made you to dream. God made you to hope. God made you to soar. God made you to know him, to find fulfillment, to live your life at the highest level. And yet we find that by our own choices sometimes, right? Our own mistakes, our own failures, we crush some of those dreams. Maybe, maybe the choices of others, maybe the mistakes other people made and, and the things that were done unfairly to us. And, and what happened? Those dreams just start fading, don't they? They just begin to, they're like an illusion. The dream becomes something that's more like a nightmare because it haunts me. I used to believe and I don't believe anymore. 
I used to dream and I just go through the motions now, you know. I had this big thing that I thought would happen. It's like Jesus. They, they, they had all these hopes and now that tomb to us on this side, oh, it represents the greatest victory that's ever happened. But on that side, it looked like the worst thing that could ever happen. And what happens to us? We just say, well, you know, I've got to forget it. I just have to forget this. I just have to go on. It's, it's never going to happen. Let me, uh, let me illustrate how things can change so quickly. This painting is a Picasso painting. Now, some of you art critics and students understand this. Whether you like Picasso or not, I'm not quite sure why his paintings were worth so much. Maybe that's just because I need to be better educated. But this painting is called The Dream. I thought it was appropriate for what we're talking about today, how to dream again. Picasso's painting, The Dream, in French, La Rave. Now, this painting is of Picasso's girlfriend. And it has it became extremely valuable. This painting, uh, you can relax, it's not the real thing. We have an Easter budget, but not one like that. Just a copy. So Picasso paints this. And over the years, it becomes more and more valuable. Until an art collector, 2001, Steve Wynn, made his fortune. He's a billionaire uh, with his casinos in Las Vegas. He was an art collector. Loved art. He bought this for $60 million. Five years later, another gentleman... Uh, Mr. Cohen, who now owns the New York Mets, said, I'll give you an offer for that Picasso. I'm a collector. Picasso is what I like. Now, remember, uh, Wynn paid $60 million. Cohen said, I'll make you an offer that you can't refuse. He said, I'll give you $139 million for the painting. Mr. Wynn thought that was a good deal. And so, uh, Mr. Wynn in one of the largest banquet rooms in his extravagant casino in Las Vegas, had his picture, the dream, placed on an easel. He invited his wealthy friends and famous people to come and have a farewell party for the dream because it was going to New York to Mr. Cohen. And so as the night went on, you know, Mr. Wynn begins to feel really good about things and probably had a little help along the way, if you understand what I'm saying. And so uh, Steve Wynn uh, gathers his friends around. He stands up to make a speech about this $139 million dream. And as he's talking, he becomes really excited and, and he's gesturing and, and, and he turns around to point something and he ripped a hole. And $139 million. I didn't make this story up. One moment, the dream became a nightmare. (laughs) Can you relate to that? In a minute, in a second, a careless act. $139 million mistake. Now, some of you will have to work two years to make that much money. (laughs) Your dream ever been crushed like that? In a moment, 
Have you ever felt that pain, that nausea in your gut? Because something you dreamed just died. Well, you're not alone. Look for me at the minute, with me for a minute in Genesis 37, verse number 2. Genesis 37, 2. Do dreams ever die? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. We've known the sting of that. Genesis 37 and verse number 2. Let's, let's look there real quickly. Here's a young man that had a dream. Genesis 37, 2. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17. You know, do you find that most of your greatest dreams happen when you're young? Do you know I've talked to a lot of kids. I love to talk to kids. There was a show that was on many, many years ago. You, you're going to have to have lived a while. Art Linkletter had a show called Kids Say the Darndest Things. The modern version of that today is a Sunday school teacher. <laughs> so, Pastor, what do you mean? All the prayer requests we get, you should know. <laughs> the interesting things children talk about, it's fascinating. And so... Uh, Children are so honest, and I love to talk to kids. And uh, I ask them, so, so what do you want to do when you grow up? You know, I've never heard them say, I want to be a failure. I want to lose my dream. I want to be an addict. I want someone to break my heart. I want someone to reject me. When I grow up, I want to be depressed and bitter. When I grow up, I want to lose all my hope. No, no, no. They have dreams. I'm telling you, it's woven in the DNA of your soul. God created you not to fall, but to soar, to find Him, to know Him, to love Him. But along the way, it seems like these dreams take a beating. How do we dream again, though? How do we ever get back to that? So here's Joseph. Look at this. A young man of 17 was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report on him. Not the smartest thing to do about your older brothers. Now Israel, his father, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Next mistake in the family. Because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Isn't that interesting? He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were uh, binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright. While your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. Now, I want to stop there. There's more we could read. What happens with this festering hatred of their brother? It finally reaches a place when Joseph is sent by his father to check on his brothers tending their flocks. They see him coming and they say, there's the dreamer. We got our chance. Oh, so you're dreaming? You've got a great dream? We'll show you about your dream. Isn't it something that when you try to be your best, when you reach for who you know you can be, when you believe that God has something for you, isn't it amazing the people that become intimidated by your dream? 
The people that become jealous of your dream. The people that, that resent your dream. The people that even begin to attack your dream. Isn't it sad that sometimes it's the closest people to you? Many people were crushed. Their dream never survived. Their family setting. So Joseph's brothers seem coming and they say, we're going to get rid of this guy and his dream. And they decided they were going to kill their own brother. And then one of them prevails and says, let's don't kill him. He's our brother. Uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put him in this pit. This richly ornamented robe that our father gave him, we're going to rip it to shreds. We're going to cover it in uh, blood. We're going to say, look, Dad, sorry. We found your son, your dreamer boy's coat, torn up, full of blood. It must have been some ravenous beast that killed our brother. We're so sorry. He's dead. They sold him to a group passing by. And he was sold in Egypt as a slave. What happened to the dream? A slave. While he's a slave in Potiphar's house, the Egyptian commander, he so distinguishes himself in that hard place that he's promoted. Can I tell you something? The real proof you have a dream may not be on the best day of your life. It's what you do on the worst day of your life. And then he, he, although faithful there, the slave owner's wife accuses him of trying to assault her, although he was innocent, and he's put in prison. And while he's in prison, he so distinguishes himself that the warden puts him over the prison. And while he's there, the cupbearer and the baker of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, the most powerful man on earth at that time, he throws those two in prison. They have a dream, dreams. Joseph interprets their dream. The cupbearer is restored to Pharaoh. He forgets about Joseph, but then a dream troubles Pharaoh. And he says, I remember the young man that interpreted my dream. And they bring him back. And he comes before Pharaoh, and God gives him the interpretation to the dream. And the young man whose family counted him out. The young man whose family tried to destroy his dream. The young man who went through the beating and the piercing and the crushing of a dream that seemed it would never live again is now promoted second under Pharaoh. He interprets the dream. He puts a plan into action. It saves the entire Mediterranean world during a seven-year famine. And at the height of the famine, guess who shows up in Egypt? His big brothers. Remember the dream that Joseph had that like the sheaves, they would all bow down to his sheaves? Well, they did not know that Joseph was this high ruler. And they come and they (laughs) bow down before him and say, Sir, can we buy food for our families? Joseph recognizes his brothers. And most of us would have taken a revenge on them. But what Joseph realizes, listen, the dream was not for his privilege, it was for his purpose. 
And when you begin to recognize sometimes the dream looks like it's going to die and it's never going to live again, it may be because you and I tried to accomplish the dream in our own ability. It may be the very thing we've always dreamed of doing in a person we could be, the marriage we could have, the job we could have, the family we could raise. Maybe it crumbled and died because I tried to do it. But maybe like Joseph, if we walk through a time and it seems like the dream died, but we give that dream to God we give up on our ability we go through the agony of losing the big things in our life and our coat that used to remind us of our high position is a tattered piece of bloody cloth reminding us every day my dream is broken but I have good news for you today that if you will give that broken dream and that broken heart and that and that cry that dis, dis, distress to God God has a way Of taking the dreams that people have broken and not only bringing them back but resurrecting them. I want somebody, I've got another uh, portrait here of the dream that I want to show you for a moment today. You see, this one was marred and destroyed, but something happened along the way. Mr. Mr. Uh, Wynn decided he had lost his money and lost his dream, but he so had admired this portrait that he began to think is there any way to restore this thing and he found an art restorationist and the man began to take this and it took him five years he researched and found the very cotton that the canvas was made of that the painting was painted upon and microscopically he began to weave it back together Weave it back together. Weave it back together. And when it was restored, you couldn't tell it ever happened. He painstakingly painted the place that had been destroyed. And the painting, the dream, the $139 million dream that had died in a moment had been restored. But that's probably the end of the story. But Mr. Cohen heard about the restored painting. The dream had been restored. And he called Mr. Wynn and he said, I'm still interested in the painting. He said, well, it's been destroyed. He said, I know it has, but it's been restored. And he said, I offered you $139 million for it. Now I'm going to offer you $155 million for it. And he said, I don't understand why you're going to give me more than what it was for worth before it happened. He said, because it's worth more to me now because I know what it's been through. I'm going to tell you something today. The devil thought he could destroy you by killing your dream. But the good news for you today is that God is a restoring God, a healing God, a God who will take the devil's biggest blow on your life and work on you and work on you and work on you and heal you and restore you. And I want to tell you something today. What the devil thought would kill you, ruin you, rob you, end you. When God puts you back together, you're worth more now than you were before the devil ever touched your life. He should have left you alone. 
He should have stayed away from you because now you have a testimony. <laughs> you see, someone's going to say, I don't think I can make it. And you're going to say, have you got a minute? I don't think I can live again. Have you got a minute? I don't think I'll ever dream again. Can you give me a minute? You see, you're going to tell them you're more valuable now than you ever were before. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. He's faithful. He's mighty. He's the God who never gives up on us. So today, I want to ask you something. Maybe you walked in here today. Maybe you came out of 2020 kind of dragging your wagon. You understand what I'm saying? Maybe you left last year and you looked in the mirror and that's all you saw. That's all you could see. But I'm going to tell you, God's not afraid of ripped up dreams. God's not intimidated by the things that wound us and rip us. And I, I want you to know that you're more valuable now. You see, see, they, Joseph went in as a kid and the dream was restored to a man. He went in as a dreamer and he came out with a man that knew how to make that dream happen. See, what happened to him during that time matured him and grew him and perfected him and strengthened him so that when the dream was restored, so that when he dreamed again, he didn't take revenge on his brothers. He didn't grab the moment and try to make the dream happen in his own ability. He said, God, if you brought me through, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to let you do it your way. I'm going to let you do it that way. You see, the Bible says... Had the devil known, hmm, had the devil known what the cross was going to do, had the devil known what the resurrection was going to do, he would have never crucified Jesus. Paul in his letter to the Corinthians says the powers of hell that raged at Jesus in their blind hatred nailed him to the cross. Had they known, they would have left him alone. Colossians 2 says, by the cross... He made a public spectacle of the devil, openly defeating him, disarming him of all of his weapons. And I want to tell you something today. No matter how far you've fallen, no matter how hard the shame, the disappointment, the grief, the despair, no matter how intense your failure may be, when you come to Jesus, when you say, Lord, all I got is... A broken, torn up mess. All I have is a reject. All I have is something no one else cares about. God will restore you. God will not just put the pieces back together again. God will make it better than it ever was in the beginning. That's the miracle of God. Better than it was. What happens to the piece of work, the artwork, the masterpiece? He said, oh, I know the story behind it now. (laughs) It's more valuable to me. Than it ever was. I know what it's been through. Today I want to tell you something. Everything in life that you counted on. May have fallen away. Promises may have been broken. Trust you had in people. They betrayed you. Jesus knew what that was like. Maybe the things you'd counted on. Had really. They're just not there. You know. I think that to be honest. Sometimes people get hurt in church. But can I tell you something. Jesus loves the church. And Jesus will heal those places, those broken places, and give you another opportunity. He's a faithful God. 
I want to pray with you today because I believe God brought us to this moment on this Easter Sunday to remind us vividly you can dream again. You can believe again. You can love again. You can live again. It's not just a pipe dream. Are you with me? It's not just a wish. It's not just good luck. It was paid for by Jesus Christ on the cross. This miracle to dream again is not cheap. It costs him everything. This miracle to dream again doesn't happen any other way but through the grace and the goodness of Jesus Christ. I want our worship team to come join me here. And I'd like to ask everybody that's with me today, would you just bow your head right where you are? I want you to have a moment, a moment with you and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to shut yourself in with him just like it's you and him only here today. And I want you to say to him, Lord, I've got some broken places. And it's, maybe it's made you bitter, you know. Maybe it's caused you to give up and let go. Maybe it's caused you to begin to say, you know, I'm a victim. There's no one to help me. No one to make it work. I don't know why people did this to me. I don't know why I've had this hard time. And I don't know either. But I can tell you, God cares about your hard time. He cares about what you're walking through. He cares about what you're dealing with today. And he wants to heal you. And he wants to let you dream again, believe again, hope again. He wants to heal your marriage. He wants to heal your broken heart. He wants to be a father to the fatherless. He wants to be a friend that's closer than a brother. He wants to be your healer that not just touches you, he makes you brand new. So today, in this moment, God ordained this moment. God put it together. God made it happen just for you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.